We're glad you've joined us on Songs of Praise, an hour of musical reflection to encourage your heart. I hear you. 
Who is on the Lord's side? Who will serve the King? Who will be His helpers, other souls to bring? Who will leave the world's side? Who will face the Savior, we are thine. Jesus, thou hast taught us not with gold or gem, but with your own life, blood for thy God called us together as a family. In breaking of bread and daily fellowship, in doctrine and prayer, we became equipped. Arise, shine, for your light is come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon me. Now is the time to live for God's kingdom. Yeah. 
guided by the Spirit and a single goal to share the gospel and to save lost souls. Arise, shine, for your light is come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon me. Now is the time to live for God's kingdom, to heal the broken hearts and set the captives free. Come for us to part We'll keep the memories Stored within our hearts Arise, shine For your light is come And the glory of the Lord Is risen upon me Now is the time To live for God's kingdom To heal the broken hearts And set the captives free We hope you're enjoying Songs of Praise. Here's some more inspirational music.
sorrow will end And our voices will blend With the loved ones who've gone on before Never grow old Never grow old In a land where we'll never grow old Never grow old Praise unto the Lord and gentle. 
Songs of Praise continues with more inspirational music.
Rescue the perishing, care for the dying, snatch them in pity from sin and the grave. We bore the erring ones, lift up the fallen, tell them of Jesus the mighty to save. Though they are sliding him. Still he is waiting, waiting the penitent child to receive. Plead with them earnestly, plead with them gently. He will forgive if they only believe. Rescue the perishing, care for the dying. Jesus is merciful. Jesus will save. Down in the human heart, crushed by the tempter, feelings lie buried. He came. 
listening to Songs of Praise. It's our desire to encourage and uplift your thoughts to our loving Creator God. Just as I am without one plea but that thy blood was shed for me and that thou bidst me come to thee O Lamb of God I come I come just as I
Shall I fear? Whom shall I fear? 
Join us again next time on Songs of Praise, brought to you by 3ABN Australia Radio, to enjoy more uplifting music. Today, in 3ABN Australia Radio's book reading, we're continuing I Saw God's Hand by the late missionary pastor Elwyn Martin. Much of the book is set in Papua New Guinea and is broadcast with the kind permission of Amazing Facts. In our last episode, Elwyn Martin, the author, told of a call he had received from the Coral Sea Union Mission, that he was to finish his work in the Tarama River area and transfer to Paglum, near Mount Hagen, in the western highlands of New Guinea. However, they found that they had to live there in a grass house with a bamboo floor, and the roof leaked badly in a storm. Let's continue the story. My wife, who was not usually demanding, felt I should do something about putting a new grass roof on the house and repairing the floor. As far as the roof was concerned, I figured out that when it was raining it was too wet to do anything, and when the rain ceased there was no need. For some reason my wife could not see light in my calculations. I wrote to the union headquarters asking whether they could grant me sufficient money to build a new house. I received an NSF telegram, standing for Not Sufficient Funds. It was then that I wrote at length explaining that we were getting wet each night now that the rainy season had set in. Within a short time I received a letter stating that the equivalent of $100 was being available for a new grass roof and a new floor in the old house. Almost as soon as I received this good news, I took it upon myself to travel about 20 miles to where one of our church members, Frank Aveling, was operating his own sawmill. I asked, how much lumber can you let me have for $100? Enough to build the framework of a new house, provided you cut it yourself. Being a sawmiller, I found this offer attractive. Frank let me have a couple of his trained men, and all I had to do was to pay their wages, the royalty on the logs, and the cost of fuel for the motor. The next few weeks were busy ones for me as I cut the timber, carted it in a trailer behind an old wartime jeep, and then erected the frame of our new house. When the frame was nearing completion, I again wrote to the union telling what I had done and asking for enough additional money to put a galvanised iron roof on the building. We found it hard to drink the water off a grass roof and were carting our drinking and washing water about one mile in four-gallon drums on the back of a small motorbike I had purchased. The water came from a beautiful clear stream. Unfortunately for us, the Union Committee did not take too kindly to my presumption in spending the money on an entirely new building when it had been given for repairing the old one. Furthermore, we were told that no more money could be made available to us. Undoubtedly I deserved the rebuke, for now we had a leaking roof and the frame of a new building and no money. What could I do but pray that the money for a new roof would come from somewhere? Just two or three days later I was on the Mount Hagen airstrip and noticed half a tonne of galvanised corrugated roofing iron for the Dacoba Hansonite colony. I notified Pastor Len Barnard, who was in charge of the Hansonite colony, 
that his iron had been flown in. Len said, It's definitely not mine, for I haven't ordered any. The name of the firm that had supplied the iron was on the crate, so I wrote asking for some particulars. They answered by return mail that they had made a mistake and that the iron should have been flown to another of our Hansonite colonies, Hatsfelt, on the Madang coast. Further, they said that in view of the fact that it had already cost the firm 60 cents a pound to air freight it to Mount Hagen, they would be better off to leave it there rather than have it air freighted from Mount Hagen to Hatsfeld. There would be no cost to the mission, as the mistake was entirely their own, and the iron was mine. What a tremendous answer to our prayers. Within a couple of days, the iron was on our new house. We paid villagers to make bamboo plates for the exterior walls, and my wife and I, from our meagre savings, were able to pay for a floor from Brother Aveling's sawmill. The Paglum Mission House cost the Union a hundred dollars. It is still the European Mission House today, but now has fibro sheet walls and proper walling inside. We were surprised at the amount of medical work to be done at Paglum because there was a well-established and well-equipped government hospital at Mount Hagen. One morning, a group of men came to the dispensary and when I asked the first one what the trouble was, he said, Master Teeth, he got pain. I found that several back teeth were badly decayed. I proceeded to load the syringe to give an anaesthetic before the extraction. As soon as he saw the syringe in my hand, he ran for the bush, followed by his friend. I sent a boy to tell them to come back. The patient returned to within about 15 or 20 yards and shouted, Master, you rouse him straight, no got shoot. He meant that he wanted me to pull the offending teeth without an anaesthetic. He told me that he could have had the teeth extracted at the government hospital and Mount Hagen if he had wanted anything injected to deaden the pain. He said they had walked the ten miles from Mount Hagen to my station because they had heard that I pulled teeth without any anaesthetic. I tried to explain that the pain would be too much, but he replied, Master, you try him, that's all. You try, that's all. So, you know, I pulled four double teeth and he never batted an eyelid. Then several more of the group asked me to pull their teeth, but added, Master, rouse him straight as all, no got shoot. From then on I used to have teeth to extract every week. Men used to walk right past the government hospital and on another ten miles to get me to pull their teeth, always demanding that I rouse him straight. The Highland peoples as a whole have wonderful teeth. Almost without exception, the teeth I extracted were from men who have been flown out to coastal copra plantations on two-year labour contracts. On the plantations, they receive food rations of white flour, white sugar and white rice. We had built up a reputation, not only for pulling teeth, but also for delivering several babies without any real problems. The infant mortality was shocking in the area because of unhygienic conditions. One night as I was packing up my camp equipment for a mountain patrol that would take me away for several weeks, there was a knock at the door. 
Our nurse girl came to advise us that two of the women on the mission station who were pregnant were in labour. I wondered why they couldn't have picked a more convenient time. I told the girl to go back and get everything ready. I would be down in a few minutes. My wife, realising that I wanted to leave at dawn the next morning on my patrol, said she would go down, for probably they would be hours yet. Our second daughter, ten-year-old Edna, I always called her Midge because she was the smallest of our four children, said, Don't you worry, Daddy. I'll go and help Mum. I said, All right, off you go. About two hours later, when I had my camp gear pretty well organised, I went down to see how the women in labour were doing. Calling at the first house, where I knew one of the women would be, I met Midge coming out the door. I asked how things were going, and she replied, It's all over, Dad. I asked where Mum was, and she said that Mum had told her to stay with this woman, for she would be some hours yet, while she went on to another house. If the second woman was more advanced, she would attend to her first, and then come back and help Midge. I asked Midge whether she had tied off the cord all right, and was she sure that there was no bleeding? I asked several questions concerning the delivery, including whether the woman had hemorrhaged at all. Midge told me that she had, but that she had given an injection to arrest that. I told Midge that I thought I should just check everything over to make sure that the woman was all right. She was indignant with me. I never had to do a thing. Even though Midge was only ten years of age, she had seen her mother and me perform plenty of deliveries but this was the first she had managed entirely on her own. Midge and I then went on to the next house and were in time to help deliver the next baby. Mum was a little out in her reckoning when she felt her woman would deliver before Midge's. At the breakfast table one morning, I was giving the children a lecture about giving a buttock intramuscular injection explaining how to give such an injection without danger of hitting the sciatic nerve. A young man had just been carried in, paralysed in the legs. I knew that someone on a patrol had not exercised enough care and had hit the sciatic nerve. Later on that same morning I was at the dispensary giving a buttock injection. When my youngest son, Llewellyn, came over, he was about five years of age, and as he watched me giving the injection, he said, Dad, I suppose you have to be a bit careful you don't hit his brain. He thought that paralysis was directly related to the brain. Maybe at that stage, he wasn't quite as advanced in his medical work as his sister, Midge. Continuing in our next chapter, Pull your socks up, Elwyn. With the annual camp meeting at Wabag coming up, I sent a radio message to Captain W.E. Pascoe at Madang, asking whether he would be able to provide a charter flight from Togaba, near Mount Hagen, to Wabag in the Western Highlands. Bill Paslow, a most capable pilot and a wonderfully obliging friend, was the owner and pilot of Paslow Airways. My hope was to charter his Dragon aircraft to take pastors Campbell, Grieve, Gander and me to Wabag. Word came by radio 
that the dragon would be at Togaba at 9.30am on August the 2nd and would lift off a load of 1,200 pounds. On the morning of August the 2nd, I had our load carefully weighed at 1,000 pounds, consisting of personnel, luggage and camp equipment. I had allowed 200 pounds for Pastor Alec Campbell, who had not yet arrived. The Dragon touched down shortly after 9.30, bringing in a load of urgently needed mission supplies. The supplies were unloaded and the luggage and camp equipment loaded, but still there was no sign of Pastor Campbell, who was to have to come down through by road from Garriga in the Eastern Highlands. Pastor Paslow checked the weights of personnel and cargo and then suggested that he would be unable to wait more than another half hour because he had another charter flight to do that afternoon. As we waited, he commented that the wind was a little against us, so I immediately suggested that we would not wait further for Pastor Campbell. We would then be 200 pounds lighter than we were allowed. Bill replied, Shove on the full load, Elwyn. She'll eat 1,200 pounds off here. I had already brought two cases of supplies just in case Pastor Campbell didn't arrive in time, so we loaded these two wooden boxes, bringing our load to 14 pounds short of the 1,200. Just before we boarded the plane, I again spoke to the pilot, stating that the two extra cases were not urgently needed and that perhaps it would be wise to unload them. He replied, She's okay, Owen. To be continued. Tune in again next week for the next episode of I Saw God's Hand, written by Owen Martin and read by Alan Lindsay. questions or comments in relation to today's program, you can call 3ABN Australia Radio within Australia on 02 4973 3456 or from outside of Australia on country code 61 2 4973 3456. Our email address is radio at 3abnaustralia.org.au. That is radio at the number 3 ABN Australia, all one word, .org.au. Our postal address is 3ABN Australia Inc, PO Box 752, Morissette, New South Wales 2264 Australia. Thank you for your prayers and financial support. Listen to William Ackland as he shares a psalm from his paraphrase of the Bible called The Gift. Psalm 100 is a very well-known psalm and important to many people. It is a song of praise for God is faithful. Raise your voices in a joyful song of praise to the Lord, all you nations. Serve the Lord with a glad heart and come before him with a song of praise. Be aware that the Lord is the true God. He is our creator, for we could not make ourselves. We are part of his family, like sheep 
grazing in his fields. Walk through the gates to his temple, enter his courts with a song of praise. Be thankful to him and bless his holy name. For the Lord is the source of all goodness. His mercy is shown in many ways and his truth shall never change throughout the ages.